Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. attention to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number three, and uh, the scripture that I will read tonight, I'm sure that a great portion of us could quote it, or at least quote the majority of it. And I have referred to this scripture many times and perhaps even preached to it, preached from it in let the um, Lord use this particular scripture to direct us. But tonight I want to use this scripture exclusively. Verse 20 of chapter 3 of Ephesians, now unto him. Now unto him that is able to do it seating abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Now unto him that is able. When you have the ability to do something, it doesn't necessarily mean that you will, but it means that you can. Praise God. In the part of this scripture that activates God's ability and his power is said right here in the last, according to the power that worketh within us. God can work autonomously from us. And God is sovereign. He can do whatever he desires to do. But you know the majority of the time he's going to use people to get his work done people that will do just what this song said tonight and say yes to him and yield to him and surrender to him. Praise the Lord. It's the power that worketh within us. It's us yielding to the Holy Ghost that is on the inside of us and letting it take complete control. That's how you got it and that's how you'll keep it is just letting the Holy Ghost have complete control of your life. But I, I want to zero in on a certain portion of this. It says that he's able to do it seating. Everybody say it's seating. Abundantly. It's seating abundantly. It's almost like he's trying to emphasize that he's able to do more. He's able to do more. And so I want to preach for the next few moments upon this subject. Nothing fancy. Just this. The God of exceeding greatness. The God of exceeding greatness. Would you lift up your voice with me again and let's pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost as we so need it tonight. Jesus, we look to you once again. We're praying, God, for your touch, your help, your anointing, your power to take control in this service this evening. I'm praying that you would talk to people's hearts in this place, deal with the souls of individuals, every heart, every life, God, that needs you. I pray that you would minister to them in this place. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it. And would you clap your hands and give praise to the Lord with your voice. Come on, lift up your voice along with clapping your hands and give a shout of praise unto God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, 
yes. Thank you for standing and you may be seated. How many is going to help the preacher a little bit tonight? The Apostle Paul takes on, I believe, what is an impossible task here in Ephesians chapter number 3. He sets out to try and to endeavor to describe the greatness of God. In chapter 3, he writes of the mysteries of Christ. He speaks a little bit about the unsearchable riches of Christ. He talks about the manifold wisdom of God. He goes on to write about the riches of his glory. And he begins in a feeble attempt to describe the dimensions of God in verse 18, that ye may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, the length, the depth, and height. He said, I want you to know these things so that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, I don't want you to miss out on anything. I don't want you to have one promise in the Word of God. I don't want one aspect of living for God to fail you. I want you to be able to receive it all and experience it all that you may come to the fullness of Christ. Everything that God has, I want you to have it. I want you to experience it. I can't imagine anybody not wanting to experience all that God has for us. But I do realize that there are some things about God that I'm yet to discover. There are some things about God that I am yet to experience. Oh, I've been saved. I've got the Holy Ghost. I've been baptized in Jesus' name. But I believe with all of my heart, and I stand here to preach tonight, that there is greater things in store for every one of us. And I want to preach it so emphatically tonight that someone would get it in their heart and their spirit and their mind and their faith would swell up and they would want to obtain the blessings of God that are available. Because it's not enough for us just to come and be pew dwellers. It's not enough for us just to simply go through a routine and a Pentecostal ritualism and not really get into the vein of what God has for us as his people. I don't want to get in a slump as a saint of God. I don't ever want my walk with the Lord, although there is some parts of it that is routine. There's some parts of living for God that are habitual. There are some things in our walk with God that we do daily, or our, I trust that we do them daily. But let me just say this. There is always more ground to possess. There's always greater things that can be had. There's always more to experience in your relationship with God. And we find that Paul is trying to convey this to the Ephesian church, which was, of course, a Gentile church. They were just now learning about the things of God. They had came out of serving dumb idols that could not help them. There was no real feeling in their religion. Yeah, there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of enthusiasm that was given to dead gods of stone and wood. But there was not much that was received from their worship. Aren't you thankful that whatever we, we invest in worship tonight, 
what do we, whatever we give in praise, whatever we give in thanksgiving unto God, that God always gives back more to us, that He always extends greater blessings, that He always does more than just meet us halfway, that as we draw nigh unto God, He draws nigh unto us. Amen. I'm thankful for that promise. I'm thankful that as you lift your hands tonight and you begin to glorify God, you'll know and experience the presence of God and He'll move in your life in a marvelous way. Amen. And whatever He has done and whatever He has allowed you to experience in the past, can I tell you that He is able to do more. And we see that Paul is, is encouraging this in the Ephesian church, in particularly here in the third chapter of the book of Ephesians. And almost in exasperation, he finally writes, Now, now unto him. Amen. Notice the present tense that he uses. Now unto him that is, not was, but is able to do. Exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. Now unto him that is able. I just want to remind this congregation from the outset tonight that now God is a healer. Now God is a supplier of all needs. Now God is a God that pours out his spirit. Now, right now, while I'm preaching, God can still encourage the despondent. While I'm preaching now, God can lift up that one that is, their head is hanging low in this service. That one that has experienced setbacks and reversals in life. Can I tell you that now God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. Praise the Lord. That's a powerful scripture with a tremendous promise intact that now God's able to do it. So if he's able to do it now, then I don't have to be futuristic with my faith. I don't have to say Sunday God may do it. Sunday God may pour it out. Sunday God may save my family. Sunday God may answer my prayer. I think sometimes that's a cop-out with us. We get in the habit of saying, I know God... God is able, but someday it'll happen. He said, no, not only am I able, but now I am able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that you ask or think. Yeah, somebody needs to get that in your spirit tonight. Somebody needs to realize I don't have to wait 20 years. I don't have to be in delay of what God wants to do. There's no reason why God can't do it for me right now. There's no reason why God can't give me a miracle right now. There's no reason why God couldn't heal me in my body right now. He said, now faith is a substance, not yesterday faith, not futuristic faith, but now faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. I wonder if there's somebody in this place that possesses now faith. You possess present faith. You're believing God that he can do it right at this moment. Praise God. If you believe that, raise your hands and let's worship the Lord together. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Praise God. Praise God. And I have mentioned this before, but I want to mention it again because it's such a significant part of this scripture. He said he's able to do it seating abundantly above all that you ask or think. Amen. You know, most of what we receive from God, most of what comes to us, comes as a result of us asking God for it, us verbalizing it. I understand that there is times when we're surprised, we're astonished, we're shocked, we're, we're taken over by God's blessings. Even the scripture talks about that, being overtaken by the blessings of the Lord. But can I tell you, as a person that has lived for God for now over 35 years, that most of my receiving from the Lord comes as a result of me praying about it and asking God for it. And I am thankful that I can preach to you tonight about the power of prayer. I can talk to you about the privilege of being able to walk into that throne room as we talked about this morning and lift up my voice to Him and make my petitions known and know that I'm not just praying off the four walls. It's not just echoing around an empty building, but it's reaching the heavens. It's going out of this world into that other world. And there's a God that is concerned enough and compassionate enough and is moved by my faith to come to Him. He's moved by the fact that I would trust Him with my needs. I'm not serving. I don't know what your view of God is. Is, but if you've got a view that is different than this, you've got a view that is wrong. My God's not a selfish God. He's not a stingy God. He's not a God that tries to look for reasons to hold back his blessings. He's not standing in heaven with a sledgehammer waiting on you to jump out of line. He's not standing in heaven saying, you know, if you'll do this, if you'll pay these penance, if you'll rub the rosaries this way and that way, then I'll do it for you. No, but I've got a God that said, if you got faith, I'm able to do it right now. If you've got faith, I'm able to work it out right now. If you've got faith, I'm able to take care of it right now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I understand that we've got to show works with our faith. But I'm going to tell you, you can beat yourself up. You can beat yourself in your head against the wall praying about certain things. Amen. But until you get faith involved in it, until you start believing what you're praying about, until you start claiming the Scripture... Sometimes you got to stand flat-footed and say, this is the Word of God, devil. This is the Word of God, sickness. This is the Word of God, spirit of hell. This is the Word of God. Amen. And I'm claiming what the book says. I'm not just talking through my hat. I'm not just speaking off the cuff. I'm not just doing something that is vain repetition. I'm praying the Word of the Lord. And there's power and anointing in the Word of God. But I'm thankful for those times that he does surprise us and gives us more than what we expect. He blesses in ways that are beyond what we ask him for. But we'd have to concede that the most of what we receive from God is as a result of us praying about it. So if you haven't got any answers or miracles or the Lord hasn't worked in your life in a long time, maybe it's been because you've not been praying about it. Come on, God, he can read your mind, but he's not going to go off reading your mind to meet your need. 
No, he wants you to verbalize it. He wants you to articulate it. He wants you to talk to him about it. Oh, he said, when you come into my presence, when you come to pray, bring words. Is that what the book says? Don't just stand mum. Don't just have a moment of silence. But when you come into my presence, I want you to open up your mouth. I want you to speak with your tongue. I want you to form words. I want you to speak faith. Amen. And when you speak it, when you pray it, I'll do the work. Amen. I'll perform the miracle. He said concerning the works of my hands. Amen. Stand inside it and wait for me to do it. No. He said concerning the works of my hands, command you me. In other words, it's your voice that's going to put God to work. It's your tongue speaking in faith that is going to cause God to move. It's going to activate God's power when you speak the word in prayer. Amen. But the writer here doesn't stop with just what we pray about. He goes a little step further back than that. He talks about what you think about. As much as we can see that most of what we receive from God is as a result of us asking God for it, we'd also have to concede that we never ask God for anything that we don't think He could do. Amen. So he said, really where I'm getting with this is I want to get in your mind. Amen. We don't talk a lot about that. We leave that up to the worldly psychologists to talk a lot about that. But the Bible does talk about a renewing of the mind. Amen. A changing of the thinking and the thought process. And this is where it all starts many times. You won't ask God for something you don't think God can do. So really what we need a lot of times is not a stretching, not a stretching of our prayers. We need a stretching of our faith so we can pray. Yeah, you just praying longer in doubt's not gonna help you. You just saying longer prayers and, and you still have the same spirit of unbelief in your heart, it's not gonna help you. If you're still thinking that God's not gonna do it, it's not gonna have much effect. If you're still thinking that God is a possibility He won't come through, then it's not gonna be very effectual for you. But when you think that God is able to do this, God can and God will. Amen. I imagine that God can heal my body. I imagine that God can save my family. I imagine that God can give my church revival. I imagine that God can change my life. I imagine that God can fill somebody with the Holy Ghost tonight. Amen. You'll get to thinking about it. It won't be long. You'll start shouting about it. You'll start praising God for it. You'll start praying that God would do what you think he's able to do in your life. I wish somebody start thinking right now. Hey, I wonder what God could do in this service if I just let go. I wonder what God could do in this house if I would just yield to him. I wonder what could happen if I just stepped out and worshiped the Lord. I wonder what would take place if I did my heart in this service. I wonder what God could do in my family if I'd start being used by him. I'm going to quit being intimidated and I'm going to start thinking about what God can do. Praise God, praise God. Lift up your voice and let's give praise to the Lord. Come on, I'm preaching about a God that is bigger 
bigger than what you think. He's bigger than your imagination. He's a great God. He's a powerful God. He's a wonderful God. Amen. And he is a God that exceeds. He exceeds his own greatness. Paul introduces a concept to the Ephesian church that is a characteristic of God that you can see throughout the ages. That God exceeds his own greatness. Most of us have limitations. We certainly have limitations physically. We have limitations of strength. We have limitations of intelligence. We have limitations of our abilities. Some of us uh, know that the old gray mare is not what it used to be. Some of you used to be able to run a mile in five minutes flat, uh, but you couldn't run one in all day nowadays. Uh, Amen. Some of you used to have the strength to lift things that you don't have the strength to lift anymore, and if you did, you wouldn't want to anyway. Praise God. But I'm thankful that God is without limitation. That God, He doesn't reach a place where He's limited out. He doesn't reach a point and say that's as far as I can go that's as much as I can do he has limitless power unlike us he exceeds his own greatness amen sometimes athletes have a performance of all performance it's just the season of all seasons or the game of all games or the moment of all moments And if they had to replicate that, if they had to duplicate it, they couldn't do it if their life depended on it. It just was the timing. It was the moment. They were able to go beyond even their own abilities for just a little while. And it almost seemed as though it was supernatural, but they were able to accomplish something. And because of this, when they retire or as seasons go on and they find themselves weakened, and they find themselves injured by years of playing the sport, that uh, they've exhausted all of their, their ability. They have exhausted all of their talent. Their potential has been maximized. Often later in their careers, uh, these moments are known as highlights. These are high watermarks in their careers. And many times these athletes find themselves in competition not with another team and not with another player or competitor, but they find themselves competing with their own abilities of the past. They find themselves competing with past performances. They find themselves trying throughout the duration of the rest of their career to reach that mark that they had reached before or to ascend to that point that they had been to before in their career. However, God is not limited by his past performances. God doesn't look back on the day of Pentecost and say man I wish I could do that again he doesn't look back on the book of Acts church and say well I wish I had that same power I wish I could still heal like I could back then I wish I could still cure disease like I did back then I wish I could still raise the dead like I did back then I wish I could still shake cities to the foundations like I did back then oh no Isaiah 9 6 and 7 says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor the 
Almighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, and of the increase, did you hear me? Of the increase of His covenant, there shall be no end. I tell you, there's no end to miracles. There's no end to power. There's no end to prayers being answered. There's no end to revival. As long as we're in this world, and as long as the trumpet, amen, before it sounds, it's revival, it's church growth, it's evangelism, it's miracles, it's sicknesses being healed, it's lives being changed because of the increase of his government. There is no end. Come on, let's lift up our voice and give praise to him. That's why Jesus, that's why Jesus, after all of the miracles that had happened in his ministry, he could say in John 14 and 12, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me and the works that I do, shall he do also. And notice what he said. Greater works. You mean greater? Greater than the dead being raised? Greater? Greater than people being healed of all manner of sickness? Greater than the lame walking, the deaf talking, and the blind seeing? Yeah, I'm talking about greater. Greater because I go unto my Father. He said greater works. It's not just past power, but it's present power. It's not just that the future, amen, has to be relied on as someday it might happen but you can have it now and you can have it then until the Lord comes of the increase of his government there shall be no end yeah praise the Lord hallelujah we see it throughout this theme is displayed throughout the scripture Genesis chapter 18, I ain't going to be much longer. Amen. Genesis chapter 18. Sarah, amen. Amen. I know what the Lord said. I know that the angel of the Lord, there was three angels that came down to where Abram was and spoke to him and said, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you, your wife's fixing to have a baby in the time of life. Sarah's back there behind the tent flap and she starts laughing. And the angel heard it, which was a theophany. Amen. It was the angel of the Lord. Amen. It was God in a, in a body that could be seen. And that, that angel said, why is it that she laughs? Wherefore did Sarah laugh? Is there anything that is too hard? Oh, is there anything that is, I want you to look at your situation. I want you to look at your trouble. I'm not trying to preach pretty tonight. I hope you can tell that by now. I'm preaching under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I'm preaching like I'm on fire. I'm preaching like a dying man to a dying world. Amen. I'm trying to rebound somebody's faith. I'm trying to resurrect somebody's faith. Somebody's belief in God. He said, is there anything that is too hard for the Lord? I want you to ask your troubles that question. Is there anything that's too hard for my God? Is there anything that he can't do? Is there any miracle that he can't accomplish? Somebody ought to shout no. I said somebody ought to shout no.
Somebody ought to shout now. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sarah's 90. Abraham's 100. And she's laughing because that would be whatever one of us would do. Amen. How is this possible? And many said that it was not possible. But Isaac was born. Amen. How could God possibly, how could he overcome such a great and wonderful miracle as what has transpired here? How could he exceed his own greatness? This is a phenomenal thing. Ninety years old and a hundred years old. Yet barren children like the twenty years old. Amen. But God said, I'm not through yet. Hallelujah. And the angel of the Lord spoke in Matthew chapter 1 and said, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. A virgin bringing forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is being interpreted. God with us is anything too hard for God. Is anything impossible for my God? Don't ever sit back and scratch your head and say, you know what? I just don't think it can happen. I just don't think it can take place. I just don't think God is able to do it this time. I just don't think he's going to come through. Is anything too hard for God? I'm going to tell you, he's able to exceed his own greatness, Abraham. He's able to bring a Christ child into this world through a virgin Mary because he exceeds his own greatness. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah, that's what I'm preaching about tonight. A God that exceeds his own greatness. Mark chapter 5 and Luke chapter 8. Bible tells me, I referred to it a little bit this morning. Bible tells me about a man that was a ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus. Jairus was a man that was desperate. His daughter, who was 12 years of age, was dying. She was sick. He had exhausted every measure he knew. He had done everything within his capacity as any good father would to try to find an answer, a solution, uh, to find healing for his daughter. The doctors had been by the house. They had tried everything in their black bag to try to bring a cure. If they could not find any cure, there seemed to be no hope. And so Jairus said, well, there's one thing we hadn't tried yet. Praise the Lord. Isn't it funny how we try everything else and finally we, we try the Lord. Finally we break down and come to church. Finally we break down and come to the altar. Finally we, we break down and submit our will to God. After we've looked through the medicine cabinet, after we've been to every hospital we can go to, after we visited the lawyer and the psychologist and the banker and everybody else, finally we go to church. Amen. That's what you need to do the first thing is make up your mind. I'm not going to wait till it gets worse. I'm going to go right now to the house of God. I'm going to get God to intervene with this situation. Bible said that he fell down at the feet of Jesus and this ruler of the synagogue worshipped the Lord. He wasn't concerned about his pious rituals that went on at the synagogue. He was not concerned about having favor or looking important to any of the people that were there. He was concerned about one thing and if you really have a need this is all you'll be concerned about. I've got to get a hold of Jesus. I've got to get him at my house. 
He's got to touch my daughter. He's got to make a way for us somehow. And he began to go to the house of Jairus. The Lord following after this, this, this people, this throng of folks that were there. He made his way to the house of Jairus. And when they arrived, or before they ever got to the door of the house, there were those that came and said, don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is dead. The disease, the problem, the sickness has claimed her life. And they had a big funeral beer that was there. People were weeping and they were sobbing and they were mourning. And uh, I've been over in some of these Middle Eastern settings and I've seen it uh, where they, they go through this ritual of crying and mourning. And, and Jesus said, he said, this, this girl that you guys are claiming are, is dead. She's not dead. She's just asleep. And that quick, you talk about fickle, that quick their mourning and their sobs turned into laughter. And they began to mock him. And the Bible said he put them out of the house. Sometimes you got to separate yourself from the doubters. Sometimes you got to divorce yourself from those around you that are trying to speak unbelief into your life. You got to get away from that. You can't you can't sit and be influenced by that all the time. You got to you got to separate yourself from that. Amen. And he walked into that place where this little damsel was and he said arise and she lifted up her head and life came back into her body. There was a resurrection. That person that was dead was made alive again because God is a great God that exceeds his own greatness. Yeah. But I'm sure, I'm sure as there always is, there's naysayers, there's people that say, you know, I wasn't there, I didn't see it, I didn't get my eyeball on it, so it must not have happened. You know, there's always somebody like that. Amen. You say a hundred got the Holy Ghost, they'll say, you sure it wasn't 99? Amen. You say, well, we went overseas and we had a great revival and we, we had at least 2,500 in our crusade and you're trying to be conservative with that figure and they'll say, you know what, I looked at that picture and I couldn't see 2,500 people and all they were getting was one little old section out of it. Amen. You talk about your church having revival and people getting the Holy Ghost and they'll say, well, was it Sunday school kids? Uh, was it uh, was it uh, was it just children, or did you have some adults pray through? Like the children's souls don't matter as much to God as the adult souls do. Amen. I'm going to tell you, if somebody tells me that they had a hundred people get the Holy Ghost, I'm going to shout. I'm going to rejoice because if God could do it for them, He's not a respecter person. He can do it for us. I said He can do it for us. Praise the Lord. And if heaven's rejoicing, you better get to rejoicing too. If heaven's getting excited about it, you ought to get excited about it. Come on, I wonder if some of you could get excited about anything. Amen. You ought to get excited when somebody gets the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know what? I just about had it with all these folks that like to make fun of our Pentecostal worship. I just about had it up to here with all those folks that say that we've lost our mind, we've gone crazy, we're too emotional, we're too excitable, and this is not all that necessary. 
when those crazy nuts in an ice storm will get out there on Sunday and pay hundreds of dollars to sit on an icy wooden bench when they're, when they're sitting. Amen. Half of them don't have enough clothes on to keep them warm. And they'll scream and they'll dance for three or four hours uh, watching guys slide around in the snow, act like fools, uh, and then they want to come and look down their long nose at us uh, like we're crazy. I'm in a warm building tonight, or at least it's almost warm. Amen. And I'm in the congregation of the Most High God. Amen. And God's done more for me than any football player's done for me. He delivered me. He set me free. And he gave me this joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. So you just have to pardon me as we shout tonight, as we rejoice tonight, as we get excited tonight. And if any one of you would waste more energy on a football game or playing a basketball game or whatever it is than you would when you come to church on Sunday night, shame on you. If you dance anywhere, you ought to dance in the house of God. Come on, if you shout for anything, you ought to shout for Jesus. If you worship for anything, you ought to worship the Lord. That's right. That's right. That's right. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's always somebody that's going to say it popped. It didn't happen. And there were those just, it's human nature. I know. Amen. I, I know I've lived long enough to figure this out. There's always going to be somebody that's going to say that didn't happen. You can remain standing. I'm almost done. That didn't happen. Oh, yeah. And so Jesus, well, I, I got one better than that. Luke chapter 7. Amen. They said when that, that little girl, that damsel was raised up, they said, well, you know, she, I know they said she was dead. But really, she'd only been dead for a little while, they said. It could have been that they just had a weak pulse, and they were not able to really determine whether or not she was dead. And so he says, you know what? If you don't believe that, I got one better. Luke chapter 7. Amen. They've already had a young man die. They've already prepared the body. When they take him to the funeral home, honey, they're dead. They're not twitching anymore. There's no heartbeat any longer. When the mortician takes you downtown, it's over with. The body's prepared and the funeral service has taken place. People's passed by the coffin and now they've got a funeral procession that is going to the grave and they're going to bury this guy. And the Lord and his disciples come walking down the road and they're, jub they're in jubilation because of what had just happened and the people that had just been healed and the things that had just taken place and they're excited and they're enthusiastic. They're singing and rejoicing but they meet this funeral dirge coming down the road. <laughs> and Jesus said, this is an opportunity for me to 
prove to the naysayers that I can exceed my own greatness. Amen. They didn't believe that I could raise a, a young girl from the dead that had only been dead for a few minutes or a few hours. Now, I'm going to take it. It's not just been dead. This body, is, this corpse has not just been dead for a few hours. It's been a few days now. Praise the Lord. But, but I'm going to raise him up. And he stopped that funeral procession. He reached over to the hand, that cold, lifeless hand of that young boy. The Bible said he touched that dead body which was not fit for a high priest to do so but this high priest said I'm going to be a high priest that can be touched with the feelings of their infirmity I'm not going to be an aloof God I'm not going to be an untouchable Lord I'm going to be somebody they can access took him by the hand and raised him up and life came back into his body amen because he had seeds his own greatness Somebody shout about that. Somebody ought to rejoice about that. Not only can he raise one from the dead that's just been dead a few minutes or a few hours, but he can raise it from the dead when the funeral's already over with and they're headed to the graveyard. But you know, again, again, there's always, there's always those naysayers, you know. There's always those doubters, those unbelievers. Yeah, yeah, they, they planned all that. Yeah, you know these people. They're so sensational. They, they're so crazy. They expect us to believe that man was really dead. And the Lord said, well, I got one better than that. They came to him and said, Lazarus, your friend is sick. It's a serious deal, Lord. And the Bible says that he didn't say anything. He didn't do anything either. He just sat there. Maybe he didn't hear us. Lazarus is sick, the one you love. He made no effort or plans to go to where Lazarus was. He said, I'm going to prove something with this deal. Yeah. If I heal him, they'll say it just, you know, he just got better. But I'm going to wait until he's good. As we say, good and dead. Finally, he said, and Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad. Have you ever heard a friend say that about another friend that was dead? He was glad for one reason, because he knew what the end result was going to be. He knew that this wasn't the whole conclusion of the matter. He knew this wasn't the end of the story. There was going to be more to it than this. And he said, come on, fellas, let's go down to where he lives or where he lived. And they make their way down there, and you talk about some mad sisters. They're saying, you know, if you really loved him like you said you loved him, you'd have been down here before now. But we've already had the funeral. He's already been pronounced dead. We've had the funeral. We've prepared the body. We've buried the body. And he's been in that grave for a while now. He's been dead for four days. Jesus didn't pay him any mind. He didn't ridicule him. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't rebuke her. He just showed show me where you laid him. And he walked over to the, the mouth of that tomb that had a big old stone over it and said, roll away the stone. That sister looked at him and said, Lord, he's been dead four days, but now he stinketh. She said, or he said to her, he said, roll, oh, have him roll away the stone. You understand there's some things that God isn't going to do for you that you can do for yourself. 
If he's able to raise the dead, surely he's able to move a stone. But sometimes you've got to move some things out of the way. Sometimes you've got to worship when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you've got to get your flesh by the nap of the neck and come to the house of God when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you've got to believe God when everything is against you. Sometimes you've got to put forth some effort when it seems like it'd be easier just to sit and let somebody else do it. Said, roll away the stone. Kept his hands around his mouth and said, Lazarus. Now you understand Lazarus in that day was a common name. We, we find at least two of them in the scripture. If he had just said Lazarus, or if I would have just said Lazarus, yeah, man, he, I could have been calling a lot of people. Had he said Lazarus and not been who he was, uh, he might have been calling a lot of people. But you see, the Word of God is specific. The Word of God is powerful. I don't know how many Lazarus had been buried there, if any. But maybe he said, not you, not you, not you, but you. You're coming out of the grave today. Amen. Lazarus, uh, come forth. He's bound head and foot with grave clothes. He said, loose him and let him go. Amen. They said it couldn't happen when I raised a little girl that had been dead for a few hours. They said it was false when I raised a man that had been dead at the funeral that had already taken place. And now this one's been in the grave and he's been dead four days and his flesh ought to be stinking by now. But I had seen my own greatness. I don't care how dead the situation seems. I'm able to bring resurrection. Somebody ought to give a shout right now. I said somebody ought to give a shout right now. Yeah. Woo. But uh, I got to tell you, man, these, these doubters are something. These naysayers, they don't ever stop. Yeah, I wasn't there. I know that's what Mary and Martha says, but there wasn't enough witnesses there. I didn't know. I wasn't there when he died. You know, they could have just been carrying on. I know how impressed they are with Jesus. They could be making all this up. Jesus said, well, if that didn't impress you, I got one better than that. I'll let him take me. They put stripes on my back, a spear in my side, crown of thorns on my head. They'll pluck my beard and spit in my face. They'll kick me, they'll punch me, they'll push me. Then they'll throw a cross on my back and make me carry it up a hill. And I'll fall down under the burden of it. They'll take me to that same cross and stretch me wide upon it and put spikes through my hands and through my feet. They'll hang me before my own creation. Amen. I'll be despised and I'll be rejected of men. I'll hang there and I'll bleed until I die. I'll hang there until I 
say my last words, it is finished. And my eyes close. And my head drops. And my chest heaves its last breath. They'll take my lifeless body. They'll put it in a borrowed tomb. And three days it'll lie there dormant. They'll guard it. They'll put Roman soldiers around it. But look out, honey, look out. In three days... In three days, I'm going to prove to this world one more time that I can exceed my own greatness. Not only can I raise a lifeless girl that's been a dead for a matter of hours, no, 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 not only can I raise a widow named son that's been dead for a few days, not only can I raise one that's already been placed in the tomb, but you put me in the tomb. I'm the resurrection and the life. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, there's life. There's power. There's authority. He exceeds his own greatness. Don't get hung up in such past performances. I've seen churches get hung up in past performance. I've seen people get hung up in past performance. I've seen folks get hung up. Man, if I could just go back. Oh, I'm going to tell you, if God could do it then, he can do more now. I said he's able to do more now. Praise the Lord. Maybe God was just giving you a little taste of something. Maybe God was trying to whet your appetite because he said, I'm an exceeding great God. I'm able to do abundant. I've got abundant power. I've got abundant glory. I've got abundant abilities. Is there somebody that wants to access it tonight? Is there somebody that wants to receive it tonight? Is there somebody that wants God to work it out for you tonight?